Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And going through the papers today, do you know something? It would lift your spirits to look at the picture that's making the front page of most of the papers. And it's a picture out of Australia of that little four year old girl, uh, Chloe um, Cleo. Cleo Smith in her hospital bed after she was found safe and well. Thank God. It was another one of those stories where the world was watching Australia because again people were thinking about Madeleine McCann and how when Madeleine McCann went missing we were all hoping that she would be found and suddenly with this other little four-year-old girl Chloe, uh, Cleo Smith going missing and you're thinking, oh my God, is this going to be another Madeleine McCann case all over again? And the police and obviously with the family's permission released the photograph of Cleo in the hospital bed with, you know, the, what the Australians are saying, a nice lolly in her hand, what we would call a nice pop, an orange ice pop in her hand and she waving and big beaming smile and she just looks delightful and she looks, looks perfect, doesn't look like she's injured in any way and please God that that's what will come out of this that she hasn't in any way been injured or damaged it was difficult it will be difficult enough for her to get over the fact that she was taken from her family and uh, was missing for 18 days but let's hope that nothing else happened to her during that time and only this morning in the last hour or two a 36 year old man has been charged with abducting the little four year old uh, girl and the man has twice been taken to hospital he's been in police custody for the last two days but they've he's twice had to ha- had to be taken to hospital for what's been described as self-inflicted injuries but he has been interviewed about the abduction of this little girl and now this morning he has been uh, charged. The little girl was last seen in the family's tent in the early hours of the 16th of October so she was missing for 18 days. Her disappearance then obviously triggered this extensive search of land and air along with roadblocks. There was scouring of CCTV footage until she was was eventually found early yesterday morning safe and well when the police broke into the house in the town is a small town called Carnarvon it's a town about 100 kilometres south of the campsite 
But the really weird twist to the story, well, that's 100 kilometres away from where she was snatched. The, f- the family actually live in that same town. The house where Cleo was found is only three kilometres away from her family home. Now, that's just a really... Um, unusual twist to the story because the police are at pains to point out that the family did not in any way know this man or there was no connection between this man and the uh, family and the police are still reckoning that it was an opportunistic uh, crime and only time will tell if they're right on that or not. Police say that the charges facing the suspect include one count of forcibly taking a child under the age of uh, 16. The police also reckon that he has acted alone and and of course, yesterday we all got to see the audio recording of them entering the house and discovering the little girl and asking the little girl what was her name. And it took three attempts for her to eventually say that her name was Cleo. But they had to be absolutely sure before they were grabbing this little girl that it was the, the little girl who they had been looking for, even though they said they knew she looked like her. She's been described as very bright, upbeat, a sweet little girl and very well adjusted considering her her ordeal. That was the quote from the Premier of uh, New South Wales who went to see her and the family uh, yesterday. And of course, many people, as the days went on, had started to fear that this story was going to end in an awful tragedy and that she wouldn't be found alive and uh, well. So it's just one of those terrific stories. And as I said, you can't help but smile when you see the picture of little uh, Cleo on all of the papers inside in the hospital bed waving. She was obviously told, wave to the cameras. And she, exactly, as every little four-year-old girl does when the camera's put in front of her, big beaming smile and her hand goes up for a wave. And I know earlier this morning there's another photograph has been taken of her in her mother's arms. She's got a pink balloon in, in her hand. Uh, but obviously the town of uh, Carnarvon they are, there's loads of signs and pink balloons up all over saying, you know, welcome home uh, Cleo. But they've got, you know, they're really battling with the fact that it was somebody in their own town that had taken this little girl and put the family through the hell that they've been going through for the last 18 days. And also really upsetting to read that as the days went on, despite the family's desperate pleas to return Cleo and assurances from the police. The police from very on in this investigation said that the family were no way involved. The general public and social media decided to label the family as suspects and seemingly in certainly in, in Australia on social media there was dreadful abuse, kind of something like the abuse that the McCanns started to receive and are still receiving over the disappearance of their daughter uh, Madeline and that's that's tough they, with the pain and the suffering and the devastation they were going through with their beautiful little girl missing to think that they had this online abuse targeted at them. Shame, shame on anyone that um, was, was targeting the family and saying oh it's got to be the family that were involved but I suppose all kudos must go to the police force in Western Australia for the great work that they did. It seems that the nighttime raid came after the police received a tip off. That then was verified by mobile phone data, lots of forensic leads. And it is looking like there was a link between phone data and car sightings. And they pulled everything together. And then they finally got the missing piece, 
that they that they need it. And the, the sky when neighbours are asked as they are, the media will always descend in an area try to try to paint a picture of what this guy is like and you know what did neighbours think of this guy? He's been described as a quiet guy, kind of kept to himself, bit of an oddball was how a number of people had described him. But then one of the neighbours came forward, but at the time the penny didn't drop and said that they saw him on Monday buying nappies, even though he's a single man without any children. Uh, but nobody didn't put two and two together and think in any way that it could be anything to do with uh, Cleo. But it's just one of those good news stories. And as I say, it just would fill your heart with joy to see the photograph of that little girl. And also to fill your heart with joy. Something I certainly look forward to every year is the release of the John Lewis Christmas ad. Now, I know people get very cynical about all of this and all oh, it's advertising and all of that. But every year, I anxiously look forward to the John Lewis ad. Well, it has just been released today. Again, it's another one of these very elaborate ads that they spend a lot of money making and it runs for about two minutes, I think. Myself and John Paul watched it in the office before I came on air this morning and I smiled from start to finish. It is called Unexpected Guest and as always for John Lewis, it is a moving commercial. It tells the story of a young boy called Nathan. He witnesses a UFO crash in a nearby forest and then he meets Sky, who is an alien who's pretty interested in learning all about Christmas. And then Nathan goes on to tell her all about the wonders of Christmas, uh, which she gets to enjoy for the very first time uh, before getting her first Christmas present, which is a nice fluffy jumper, one of those musical jumpers that Nathan gives to a Chloe. Or Chloe, I have Chloe now on the brain. Nathan gives to Skye before, you know, at the very end. Oh, it gets really sad at the end because she leaves him and that's it. That's the unexpected uh, guest. And the sa- the song, we always much anticipation of what song they're going to use. The soundtrack to the emotional tale is a cover version of Together in Electric Dreams and it's performed by somebody called uh, Lola Young. It isn't the original Together in Electric Dreams but it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's up on, uh, you can actually see it on the C103 uh, website. We've posted it already this morning if you want to take a look at it. If like me you're a bit of a Christmas fan and you have a liking every year for the John Lewis ad. Officially out today. Now, I've been asked to mention that the Bandon Co-op Carberry Junior A football final, that's between St Mary's and Tyke McCorricks, will take place this Thursday evening at 8 o'clock and it's going to take place in Come Best of luck to both teams involved. That's the Carberry Junior A football final, definitely going ahead tonight at 8 o'clock. Anybody got any suggestions for one of our listeners who has emailed the programme, Patricia, at c103.ie. It's a McCroom listener. To say, Patricia, hi, looking for advice, please. I want to do some decluttering, but I'm also hoping to make some cash at the same time. I've tried about a dozen places, but they're not interested or they tell me that the project is too small. I don't have any furniture for sale but what I am trying to sell on, do decluttering and make some cash at the same time are things like decanters, glasses, dessert bowls, vases, candlesticks, trays, honey and mustard dishes, cutlery sets, cake stands. I also have a selection of books. The books are mostly about sport. There's about 120 items in total. Would any of your listeners know of anywhere or anyone in business that I could make contact with. I'm living in the McCroom uh, area. 
Now, I don't know, are there any second-hand shops where you would go in and they'd take a look and they'd offer, you know, they'd make you an offer on the items and then they would would sell them on. The only other thing I'm thinking, that perhaps because of the selection of items you're talking about, would you consider doing a car boot sale? And then the, my next question is, are car boot sales back up and running again? You will often hear of people having a clear out, exactly what you're talking about, a decluttering, or they might do a clear out of a house, for example, and they'll have a car boot sale and, you know, throw everything into the boot and then head off to the car boot sale, bring a little table with you and sell off the items. It would be one way of doing it. Don't know if there's a lot, if that's, if you would deem that too much work or not. And as I say, I don't know if car boot sales are up and running. If anybody wants to let us know, because you've got people who are big fans of car boot sales and who will trail around at car boot sales. And failing that, if you just want to do a declutter where you don't want to make any cash out of it, I'm telling you, any charity shop would be thrilled to get any or all of those items because they certainly would be able to sell it on and the charity would benefit. Anyway, if anybody's got any advice for our McCroom listener trying to do decluttering and selling on, wants to make some cash out of the items, where is there a second-hand shop that you would point her in the direction of or what would you suggest that she should do uh, with those items? 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Jean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Outdoor canopies will not be removed in Kinsale Town for the winter, despite a plea that the spaces they take up could be used for parking in the run up to Christmas. The request to have them removed was made by Kinsale based councillor Kevin Murphy, who joins me on. The program. Good morning, to you, Kevin. Morning, Patricia. How and are you? I'm very well, and you're welcome to the uh, to the program. Uh, why do you want these outdoor dining spaces uh, removed? Do you feel that they perhaps they won't be used as much in the winter time? Well, yeah, that's that's the first thing. I suppose the background to it, uh, Patricia, was the fact that um, we expected, or I expected, that they were going to be temporary anywhere. Um, that was the first thing, and um, I, I didn't expect that they were going to. You know, wintertime will come along and um, they, they may be still available or still working. But um, it, was com- it was compiled by myself because of the fact that I expected on the 22nd of October, with all the sectors open, um, that, you know, uh, we would combine the removal of those. Um, but all of a sudden, of course, we have to have the two metres distance uh, uh, which is just still ongoing, and there was sort of confusion about that one. And and do they take up many parking spaces? Well, I, I, we're told about fifty-seven, which is huge for Kinsale, like you know. Um, and um, uh, effectively, they are taking up. The, 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 it is it is no issue whatever with the, with with the spaces as such as far as I'm concerned, except to say, I thought that there would be a temporary solution. Uh, which were so badly needed for the hospital district, but let's be fair about that. And particularly uh, at the at the time when we only oh, had uh, outdoor dining. Well, we all supported that fully, and there was there was there was a great rapport between all the people, including the the Kintail Chamber of Tourism, uh, the Chamber and uh, and business, and they negotiated that we would open up the whole scene for for outdoor hospitality sector, and that was fully agreed. And was mighty successful in Kinsale, without any and in Benden as well. 
Yeah, they're used. To, they're they're across all uh, county towns. Stay there because yeah. I want to bring in uh, fellow Fine Gael councillor uh, Marie O'Sullivan uh, because she joins uh, joins me. Uh, good morning, Jim Marie. Good morning, uh, Patricia. Good morning, Kevin. Uh, now, outside of being a councillor, you also run a cafe and a restaurant in in Kinsale. Are these canopies still very much in use? They are, Patricia. To be honest, look, I suppose all businesses, we've all lost tables inside because of social distancing. And I think life has changed for all of us because of COVID. Um, We are looking at things differently. People are still very reluctant to come inside. There are people who aren't vaccinated. You have a lot of people who are pregnant that don't, you know, can't come inside. Like we have had an awful lot of checks by both HSE and the Fault Ireland checking, are we doing our contact tracing? Are we checking vaccinations? So, like, there's big pressure on staff as well. So it's very important to maintain the outside areas. But apart from all that, I think just even aesthetically and socially, it's been very good for everybody to have these outside areas. Because I've seen it here in my own place. You know, people are sitting down outside, somebody passes them, and they see someone they know they haven't seen in a long time, they sit down and have a cup of coffee together. And it's bringing a whole new social aspect into the centre of our town. And to be honest with you, it's been a lifeline for businesses. And I don't think we're going to go back to packed cafes in a very long time. And I just think it's going to be good for all of us to move forward and look, think outside the box a bit. We were very fortunate that Cork County Council have allowed us to operate outside the cartilage of our premises. Because without it, I genuinely think that many businesses would be closed. And I think it's very important to remember that all these small businesses are the heart of every town. And these are the businesses that give the work experience to the kids in transition year. They give them their summer jobs. So, look, it's all helpful to the economy and helpful to everybody, you know. And I also Uh, think you've hit the nail on the head, uh, even though we're into the winter months. And now it's a beautiful day today, but it's chilly. But once you once you wrap up, you're uh, you're fine uh, outside. But I think you've hit the nail on the head about their their even people who are vac- fully vaccinated, yeah, there's yeah. a nervousness there Absolutely. among some people about going indoors. Absolutely. And I mean, I have people who are fully vaccinated and have got their third booster shot and they're still sitting outside. I mean, to be quite honest with you, it would be a lot easier for me. I'm down here at six o'clock in the morning, putting out tables and chairs, cleaning, sanitising, everything, taking home rugs now in the, in the evening, washing them. It would be a lot easier for me if I could pack in my tables inside but you want your customers to be comfortable. Mm. And I suppose because I work a lot with the locals and grateful for all the tourists that pass through town. But look, we have to, we have to be open for everybody. You know, okay, and, and Kevin, you know, it, it, another good point, you know, that Marie uh, made, you know, Kinsale is the gourmet capital of Ireland. This outdoor dining, which is across every county town, it's bringing a wonderful atmosphere, isn't it, to the town? Oh, absolutely, and, and I, I don't doubt that for a second, and I have no problem, whatever, with it continuing on. I, but I, I did expect at the very beginning that there was a kind of a, a, a due date for those to be, um, if you like, taken away for the, for the winter season and before the summer season sets up again in um, April, April or May, or I guess maybe that we will reinstate those again straight away. So are you <clears> still <throat> looking for an end date? For them. No, no, I, I did, what I did there for it down really, um, when it coincided with the opening of the sector itself, and of course, obviously, you see, uh, the go- if the government made up their mind once and for all to say that, look, we're opening the sector and everybody has the same view as such going to the social, the social area, wide open, 
or you can go into a source area with 300, 400 people, whatever the case may be. But all of a sudden, they said the six-meter social distancing is still remaining. Like, that's total confusion, and it's, it's upsetting everybody. So I, Yeah, I but I think, I think Kevin, done. even if they did remove the two-meter social distancing, you know, Marie's point is very valid. There are, there's an element of nervousness out there amongst some people in the general public who may never yeah. want to go back into a crowded cafe. There yeah, could be I, many I, I years, know, I, I think. I'm not disputing that point, Patricia, at all, in actual fact. And I have no doubt in the world that what she's saying is quite true. I don't believe in it for, for one moment that, that the area itself will, will always have back to where it was before. All I would suggest here is that we have to, com- have to comply as well which can say a town being a, a, a tourist town, number one, grossly, grossly overrun by traffic. There's traffic jams noise in the inside. There's been cars damaged. There have been, bollocks have been knocked down. People have been, people are scared of their lives of driving through Kinsale in places now at this stage because of the restricted area of parking. And secondly, then, of course, obviously, is that the people are delivering the stuff into Kinsale itself. Their, uh, their loading bays have been totally taken over by, um, by that uh, bottled area. You see? Okay, so, I, okay. Yeah. a text in from a listener saying, I totally agree with that uh, gentleman. That gentleman is, is Councillor Kevin Murphy from uh, Kinsale uh, about the canopies in Kinsale. It's the same in Mallow Town. The amount of parking spaces that have been taken up by these outdoor dining areas is shocking. I won't be going to Mallow again as I can't walk to and from the car parks. They're too far away from the main street. Uh, Marie, 57 parking spaces. That's a lot of parking spaces for a town to lose. I to be quite honest with you, I don't think there's 57 outside my own place. There's two parking. I have two parking spaces okay. where from my area. <coughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure on the extent <coughs> of the amount of parking. But I do believe, Patricia. Look, if um, all of us have been to Killarney, if you go to Killarney, the centre of Killarney, there's no parking. You have to walk into the centre of town. And I think that's what we're looking at. Nobody does it. Does anybody really want the centre of any town to be a car park? I don't think so. You know, I know there, and I agree with Kevin that there is a parking issue in Kinsale and Kevin, in fairness, has been very much on it with, and we're looking at the county development plan now and we've got to look at that going forward to find parking, you know, on the outskirts of the town. I suppose it's like everything, as I said already, I said COVID has changed everything for everybody and we need to think outside the box and look at our towns, look at our spaces, enjoy our spaces. Another thing I think really that looks Businesses have been under extreme pressure over the, over the past 18 months and the extended lockdown has taken its toll on people in business and their mental health and in many other factors as well. And another thing that you have to take into account, the cost of doing business has incremented incredibly because, number one, to hold on to our good staff, we, you have to pay them decent wages. All our suppliers have put up their costs. Everything their is going up. Everything, Everything. is going up. Yeah. So it's vital that we have bums on seats, to be quite honest with you, to keep our businesses open. Okay, a listener says the outdoor dining areas in McCroom is only a, used as a gathering place for underage drinking, antisocial behaviour and absolute chaos at the weekend. Urinating and defecation everywhere. Blocking businesses, they should be gone. They are an absolute eyesore. Have you any problems like that in Kinsale, uh, Kevin? Are they? We haven't. We have indeed. As I say, Marie already stated at the meeting that there are uh, outdoor dining areas which have been granted as such but they're not being used, no. and of course they should be lost. They should be lost anyway. 
second of all, then, of course, obviously, there are some oak canopies, and I wouldn't call them canopies, I'd call them probably permanent structures, which really should not be up inside and considered as such. They're unsightly, and effectively, they don't do any help to the, to the, the ambience of Kinsale Town itself. Okay, but they're, so, they're remaining in place, uh, certainly for the foreseeable uh, future. And uh, Marie, uh, how is business in Kinsale? Are you expecting a busy Christmas? Like, it's, you know, it's like, obviously, November is a quieter month for everybody, and a lot of the business are taking holidays at the moment because they haven't got staff to cover you know, the holiday breaks for their, their permanent staff, so it was easier for them to close. Yeah. We're hoping that Christmas will be busy. I mean, I remember last year running into Christmas, Christmas week, the outside area was full. We, we were blessed with good weather. You know, so hopefully that the weather will be on our side this year and going forward it will be a good season. For but look, I think everybody is very anxious to be out. The facility of having the outside dining makes it, you know, makes it a lot easier for people but I also think that, to be quite honest, like here in, in Kinsale and in Bandon, the people who have the outside dining are very much responsible for their outside areas and looking after them because nobody wants to have their outside area shabby. Mm. And I mean, most people are very much on top of their outside area and cleaning it and maintaining it. And I think as a responsible citizen and as a responsible business person, that's what we have to do. OK. All right. We leave you it know? there, uh, folks. Thank you for that. And thank you both thank for you. joining us. Good morning, uh, good morning oh, to you. Bye bye. There are Kinsale based Fine Gael councillors, Kevin Murphy and Marie O'Sullivan. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Movember, which is the leading global charity changing the face of men's health, is currently underway for 2021 with new research showing that six out of every 10 Irish men don't share how they're feeling. The national spokesperson for Movember 2021 is Jack O'Connor, who joins me. Good morning to you, Jack. Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and you're very welcome to the program. Why do you believe men find it so hard to share and talk about their feelings? It's a good question. Um, I think you know, from a very young age, boys are not encouraged to open up about how they're feeling, and you know, we're told to to stiffen the upper lip and, and get on with things. Uh, and I think that this perpetuates as we get older. Uh, if we look to the media, you know, we champion. The strong, silent type, the 007s. Um, typically, when we think, you know, what does a great man look like? We don't think, uh, first off, geez, he's great with his emotions and he, he's, he's very open about his feelings. They're not what comes to the front of mind, and I think that comes through. Yeah, yeah. And do you feel the pandemic has had a particular impact on the mental health of Irish men? 100%. Um, you know, even prior to the pandemic, we were very clear that our social connections would be the thing that would help men to get through a period of poor mental health. Um, and then the pandemic came in, uh, men were losing their jobs, we were all losing our jobs, we were, there was a lack of job security, we were worried about people in our families getting sick, that was vulnerable to us. Um, we were, many of us were locked down with our partners and our kids and that was causing stress in many yeah. households. Um, and so as stress was going up, our social connections were taken away and we didn't have you know, the five side with the lads. We didn't have the, you know, an hour down the pub or whatever. We didn't have those uh, moments with friends that, that would be somewhat of a pressure release valve. Yeah, they were uh, taken away probably at a time when they were needed the most. 
Absolutely, 100%. And, and that's something that we were acutely aware of and we ended up fast-tracking a couple of digital health resources to help men get through that period. Because there's a frightening statistic um, that three out of every four deaths by suicide are male. I mean, that it, even even saying that is, is a scary, scary statistic. We're losing too many of our men to suicide. Absolutely. And this, this statistic is consistent not just in Ireland, but in, in pretty much every country that Movember operates in. Um, globally, we lose a man's suicide every single minute. That's over 500,000 men a year. It's just absolutely ludicrous. It's the numbers that are almost impossible to get your head around. Um, and, you know, a couple of years ago, I started to do a study on, you know, the people who are accessing mental health services, those amazing uh, crisis support phone lines and stuff like that. And what I found was it was about 80% women, 20% men. And when you could look at this um, side by side with the suicide statistics, which are the reverse, 80% men, um, what that tells me is that mental health issues are affecting men and women equally, but the way in which men and women are dealing with these are completely different. Yeah, they're seeking help, they're trying to sort them through, but men are suffering in silence and seeking help too late, if at all. And that's where we all have a role to play in protecting the men in our lives. You're asking people to remember it's a simple four-step model called ALEC. ALEC is great. It's super simple. Um, A stands for ask them how they're doing. L is listen to them. E is encourage them to take action. I think that's a really important one. We're not trying to turn everyday people into psychologists or mental health professionals. You're just there to be the catalyst to point someone in the right direction. And then C is check in with them the next day, in the next two, three days. You know, check back in with them. Did you, you know, speak to that person? Did you do the thing we talked about? How are you getting on now? Follow up and let them know that they're supported by you. Yeah, it's really good. Really good advice. And, you know, while there's a problem with mental health, we also know men aren't great about general health check checkups. And I think especially if it's to do with anything down there, uh, things yeah. like testicular cancer, prostate cancer. How do we get around that? Yeah, look, there's, as you alluded to, there's an embarrassment element with, with some of those sort of things. Different men will respond differently to that situation. Um, when November 1st, came into existence, we started working with prostate cancer. And while we obviously identified a need to invest in programs and research and advanced medicine, what we really needed to do, and it was painfully obvious from the get-go, was to get guys to go to the doctor when mm. they realized something wasn't right. They just weren't doing it. Um, and so that's always been front and center of our messaging. You know, know the numbers. If you're 45, 50, speak to your GP about prostate cancer. If you're 15 to 35, you're at risk for testicular cancer. Um, and what's really interesting is when we started to then later look at mental health, we realized it was the same behavior we were trying to change, trying to get guys to speak up, to seek help when they needed us um, and to get the help that, that they, they required. Yeah, and to know, I mean, I think women are really good about knowing their bodies and if there's any lumps or bumps or anything, you know, untoward, they will go to a doctor. We need men to be aware of their bodies and changes in their bodies. Absolutely. And look, I'm as guilty as anyone at playing the ostrich, sticking my head in the sand and hoping something goes away. But when it comes to something like testicular cancer or prostate cancer or any cancer for that matter, um, early detection will yeah. save your life. Yeah, and, um, and it won't. That, that lump won't just suddenly disappear. Uh, it no. needs to be investigated. Now, November, and I was interested when I started reading up on this yesterday, it's been running since 2003. And, like, That's right. it, and, and it's still very much, isn't it, about getting men to grow the moustache? 
Well, yeah, so we, we call the moustache our hairy ribbons. So like, <laughs> the, there's the pink ribbon, there's the blue ribbon, there's the green ribbon. November have the, the hairy ribbon. Um, but that's right, we started in 2003, um, started growing moustaches, uh, raising money and awareness for prostate cancer. And then as that movement grew, uh, excuse the pun, we moved to testicular cancer and then eventually mental health and suicide prevention. And now uh, we're the, the world's leading men's health charity. It's brilliant. And the plan for this month, you know, while it gets us to have chats like this and hopefully from this to get people listening to have chats with the men in, in their lives as well. And you will see people growing moustaches, which is which is fantastic. And it's a great way for people to try out whether their moustache is going to suit them uh, or not. There's also a fundraising arm to it. There certainly is. Uh, the guys who grow mows become walking, talking billboards for men's health. They help us to get the message out there, but they also um, raise much-needed funds for our programs across each of those three cause areas here in Ireland. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of fundraisers. We've got Sean O'Hara's running 30 marathons in 30 days. Uh, Ross Galvin's dip, dipping into the sea every morning. Um, there's, yeah, there's a whole host of uh, really innovative fundraisers that are happening all over the country. Well done. Well done. You're doing amazing work, uh, Jack. Uh, keep it up. And of course, um, besides being spokesperson for uh, Movember, you're also, of course, a very talented uh, DJ and producer. I'm assuming that's all taken a backseat during the pandemic. Well, there's been no gigs, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've had plenty of time in the studio, so I've, I've been working working on music. So there's uh, a couple of stuff has been released this year and uh, some more stuff for 2022 in the pipeline. Well done, well done. Keep up the great work, uh, Jack. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme. My pleasure, thanks good so much. Mo- good morning to you. That is uh, Jack O'Connor, who is the spokesperson for Movember. Please, to the guys. Uh, don't stop burying the head in the sand and let somebody know how you're actually feeling and to us the ladies who have these wonderful men in our lives to make sure that we are checking in with them and that they are doing okay on the number of suicides particularly amongst males not just in this country it's a worldwide uh, problem Listen, says I'm afraid we're going to have a massive mental health problem in this uh, country because of the pandemic working from home rule and the extra parental leave when a baby is born is crazy and is not needed I don't know if parents will exactly new parents will agree with you on that but anyway on the working from home rule people must get out must get back out to work and meet people travel and communication is the key not medication says this listener and in fairness it was one of the points that Jack made that when lockdowns happened and people have been forced to work from home that social interaction was missing and everybody accepts it was one of the reasons that there was an increase in mental health issues throughout the pandemic for sure thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103. We're going to take a break. We've news at 11 on the way. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Succession is back on our TV screens starring our favourite savagely wealthy family, the Roys. Listen to C103 all this week. We're celebrating the release of Series 3 with Now and you can win a holiday to New York worth €10,000. Flights, limo transfer, there's a five-star hotel, helicopter ride over New York and even some spending money. How do you enter? You need to answer the question, who plays Logan Roy in Succession? Is it A, Brian Cox or B, Courtney Cox? If you know the answer, you text the word holiday along with your answer A, R, B and your name and you text it to 570 
80. Now, text costs two euro. Got to be over 18 to enter. And you'll be in with a chance to win this holiday valued at 10,000 euro. One text required per entry. Need to get the bill payers uh, permission. And the winner will be announced on the 9th of November. If you'd like to see further terms and conditions, then please check out the competition page at c103.ie. Now, some of your texts and calls coming in. Here's a really worrying one that has come in from listeners. Please don't call out my name or where I'm actually working. But I'm contacting you this morning, uh, Patricia, because I'm inquiring about first aid courses here in Cork. We had a fatality this week on our building site. A lad right beside me collapsed with a massive heart attack. Unfortunately, none of us on the site were trained first uh, aiders. And I'm just inquiring, are there any first aid courses around Cork City and County? As obviously uh, the people working on the site got, must have got a dreadful fright. It's such a sad, sad story in our heartfelt condolences to the family of that uh, young lad uh, but also to the workers that's a difficult thing for workers to witness as well so first aid courses I mean the Red Cross were always brilliant for running first aid courses I just don't know now with Covid times our first aid courses still up and running so does anybody know our first aid courses anywhere across Cork City and County that we can point this gentleman and indeed others who might wh- might consider that might be something that they may consider taking up so first aid courses if anybody has details on that can you get it into us please 1850 and a couple of people have suggestions for our listener who is trying to do the D cluttering but wants to make a little bit of money at the same time and as you know an array of items that she wants to sell like glasses and decanters and vases and candlesticks and cutlery sets and cake stands etc. Somebody says tell that lady to sell on Marketplace on Facebook or on a local buy and sell Facebook page. She'll be able to put up her items and she may be able to sell them uh, locally. Thank you for that. And then my suggestion was car boot sales and I was wondering are car boot sales up and running? Thank you to John O'Brien who said yes they are Patricia. Rath Cormac car boot sale that's back up and running so is Carrick Tuhill and Castletown Roach all of those car boot sales are back so the lady may consider going to a car boot sale with all of her uh, items and then a number of uh, people commenting on the canopies and the outdoor dining areas that suddenly appeared in at every single county town and across the city. They were so badly needed as we were starting to come out of various lockdowns when you could only have outdoor dining. And they have been hugely, hugely successful for businesses. But as we discussed this morning, Councillor Kevin Murphy thought that once the wintertime came, they would be gone and that these slots would revert back to parking spaces and people bemoan the fact that there isn't enough parking spaces. And of course, we're coming into the busiest time of the year from a commercial and retail point of view very busy in the run up to Christmas every single parking space will be like gold dust so Kevin thought that they would be gone but we now know they're not not going to be gone other people don't want them gone they think they're a fantastic idea and certainly the businesses don't want them gone and the point I was making with uh, Councillor Marie that Marie O'Sullivan made as well and I agreed with her on we would hear from people certainly into this programme fully vaccinated even some of the ones who've already got their booster shots bit nervous still about going inside if there's too many people inside because we know 
that, and it's all the evidence that comes from Neffet and Dr Tony Houlihan, if you have to do any socialising in a safe way, you're better off doing as much of that socialising as you can outside. So people like the idea of maybe meeting up for a coffee or going for some food. And they like the idea if there's an outdoor setting where they can sit down. So many businesses want to hang on to these outside spaces. Some of your thoughts on that, John and Cove says, I think a lot of this is down to greed with business owners looking for more all the time. I think that's a very unfair comment, I have to say, uh, John. Those business owners that have the few tables and chairs outside, my God, what they have been through since the start of this pandemic. So I think that's a bit unfair of you. But anyway, John uh, is against the canopies. He'd be with Kevin. He's against the canopies in Kinsale. He said whenever we go to Kinsale, we have to park outside the main part of the town. Never parking to be had in Kinsale. And then when you're walking around the town, you can't walk comfortably because the streets are too busy. They are so narrow. There's a lot of issues to be addressed. Maura says, well, I do welcome these outdoor dining areas. I feel that they give every town a really nice atmosphere. But I think certain businesses have benefited from them. Many of the council outdoor dining areas were erected near the business, while others then had to fund their own and ask for permission. I feel it hasn't been thought out correctly. Instead of putting them outside on the street, they should have found an open plan area in the town. You see, every town, ideally if every town had had like a square in the middle of the town where you could do that, where all the restaurants were near nearby but we can't redesign the town just so that we can get outdoor dining areas I can't see any other way except put them outside or close by the cafes thank you for your call uh, Maura Emer says there are simply too many of these outdoor dining uh, areas are popping up now in most towns they have taken away too many valuable parking spaces. It started out with maybe two large dining areas and now most towns have seven or eight of them. I think that's the problem. We simply have too many of them. 1850-333-103. Kieran then contacted us. He works in uh, the nursing in the nursing home industry. He says with the high number of cases at the moment he feels that for people visiting nursing homes we should be enforcing mandatory checking of COVID certificate at the door of all nursing uh, homes. It's getting so bad now in some nursing homes that they stopped allowing people in to visit they're back to no visits and God no, nobody wants that. Now there has been a lot of talk and I know Neffet recently recommended that the COVID pass, your COVID cert would be adopted as a requirement for visiting any kind of a healthcare setting but it was just a recommendation from Neffet it's up to the government now to introduce that or not that if you're going to a hospital to visit or to a nursing home you'd have to show your COVID pass but it hasn't been introduced yet but I did see earlier this morning that only visitors with COVID certs will be allowed access to the Rotunda Hospital and they're bringing that in from next month now the Rotunda Hospital along with the other what do we have, 19 uh, maternity hospitals around the country. They have, of course, come in for huge criticism because they the way they have restricted access for partners of women, you know, going in for scans. And that was introduced really from the start of the pandemic. We ended up with hearing from some w- women who had ended up having very distressing scans where they were told the, the baby hadn't survived and they were in there having that scan on their own. There was other stories of dads who actually missed the birth because they couldn't get in on time because you only allowed in under active labour. There was a huge amount of criticism against the maternity uh, unit. So in August, the Rotunda had said low vaccine update 
um, uptake amongst pregnant women and their partners. That was behind their reluctance to open up the doors and to allow their partners in. But then they said in September they started lifting the restrictions because they said they started to see that the vaccination rates were uh, rising. But now they say in light of the growing rise in COVID-19 infections, exactly the point that Kieran, who works in a local nursing home is saying they have decided they are the busiest, busiest maternity hospital. They will now only allow access to nominated partner to attend the hospital for labour and birth as well as the appointments and to visit the inpatient wards from the 1st of December if they can prove that they're either fully vaccinated or they have recovered recently from COVID or they will also accept a negative PCR test. So they're the first hospital to do it. Will that be the first of many? I think it will. I actually think other hospitals will probably follow suit. And then we'll have to wait and see because Neffet have made that recommendation to the government. Will the government decide to introduce that, that all visits to any any hospital, those that are allowing visitors in, because only yesterday we were we were talking about the distressing scenes that some families were going through because they didn't have access to their loved ones in hospital, but it'll also be used for nursing homes where Kieran reckons that it needs to come sooner rather than uh, later. And then somebody else was on. I'm not going to name the premises because I'd have to check in and I'd, I'd be into all kinds of problems if the person got the name of the premises wrong or whatever, or it was proven that we were wrong. But somebody said that they went out for dinner yesterday and they weren't asked for their COVID search and they're saying is that allowed? Well it shouldn't be allowed and the advice that we've we've been constantly given and that we've been getting from uh, Neffet and I know the Taoiseach mentioned it as well that if you do go to a premises and you're not asked for your COVID uh, certificate you've got the choice of either saying to them why aren't you asking us for our COVID search and um, the Taoiseach went so far as to say if you're not comfortable with the establishment you go into then leave and find somewhere else to go and have dinner. And I know Dr Tony Houlihan yesterday was only talking about when he brought up this point and he said that a recent survey was show, had shown that only one in four people have been asked for their COVID cert in pubs and restaurants. So we still have a problem with that. And of course, we have a problem with rising COVID cases at the moment. We have dangerous now levels of COVID-19. And of course, a lot of the papers today are saying it's threatening to cast a cloud over Christmas. And amid concerns that people are enjoying record levels of pandemic socialising, the Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan admitted yesterday he has yet to see evidence that his plea to the nation to get back to the basics Toned down on the number of people you're meeting up uh, with and regularly taking part in high risk activities. He said it doesn't look like his advice to people has been heeded. He said as we get through November, we are going, we're coming to a point of coming into the Christmas season. He said it's a very risky time for us to continue with such high levels of socialisation which is going on at the moment. He said in he said cases should be as low as possible coming into Christmas but with infections for the next two weeks they've already been seeded and he said there is no certainty a reduction will happen. He said it's going to be a challenge with the festive season so near. However Dr Tony Julian wouldn't be drawn on whether Neffet might reintroduce or suggest reintroducing restrictions saying the attention now was not to walk back down that road and also a circuit breaker lockdown. He certainly is not under consideration. I don't think that uh, anyone would tolerate a lockdown but whether we'll have a rollback on some of the restrictions that have been introduced, only time will tell. Cases are rising in most age groups 
but they're rising in particular in the 19 to 24 year olds and everyone is pointing to the fact including Tony Houlihan that that is spurred on by the amount of socialising that's going on with that young age group, the 19 to 24 year olds, particularly during the midterm break. Many of those would have been college uh, students off for midterm and they were out and about meeting their friends. But on the plus side, and we always try and look for the good news in any of these uh, stories. There are signs that the rollout of the booster vaccine is reducing infections in the over 75s. So that is a little bit of good news. And of course, we say to uh, anyone who gets offered their booster to go and get it ASAP, even though judging by the number of calls and texts we have in, we've had in this week since we mentioned that the boosters now are going to be rolled out to the over 60s in the general community. We are inundated every day with people saying, when is it going to begin? I think lots of people are ready to roll up their sleeve and get the booster shot because it's been shown particularly looking at the evidence coming from Israel it's been shown how successful it is that booster in in getting people giving people added and extra protection 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Four qualified child carers are wanted to work in the French Alps from late November to late April you need to have FITEC or NVQ level 5 or higher qualifications if you're interested please email your CV to simon at skyfamil.co.uk that's an unusual job uh, general optives are required for immediate traffic management positions email info at nextworkstm.ie Steel fixer and joiner required. Call Brendan at 087 902 Delivery driver is wanted for a takeaway food service. That's at the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow. Kieran is your contact on 087 781 3547. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. A GoFundMe campaign has been set up for a young Cork woman who fears she will die if she doesn't get inpatient treatment for an eating disorder. Lisa Murphy, who has been battling bulimia and anorexia for a number of years joins me to share her story this morning. Good morning to you, Lisa. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. Well, listen, can I start by saying that I think you are incredibly brave in sharing your story. I know you, you. in the past had been speaking with the, the lovely Anne Murphy in the Echo and yeah. it had been done anonymously. But you've yeah. decided now to come forward and say, this is me, this is who, who I am. Do you feel at this stage, Lisa, you've no other option? Yeah, it's, it's really at that point, you know, I, I kind of, really hit breaking point in uh, March of this year um, after I attempted attempted suicide and um, you know at that point like obviously my friends and family were very concerned um, which is w- what led to my cousin posting the anonymous kind of account of a typical day um, and at the time you know they were asking me like why not do the GoFundMe and you know we'll we'll get you the money and things but I just didn't feel really I, di- I didn't have the courage at that point to kind of put my face and name out there um so I said I'd hang on and like 
in the hopes that putting it out there anonymously would lead to, to something. But even though everyone was so supportive and I received lots of lovely messages and stuff, it just didn't really do anything. Um, so now I feel I've no choice but to actually come out and say, you know, this is actually me and this is who I am and these are the, the things I'm doing and this is how bad it's after getting. And that piece that you, you spoke about, I, I read it yesterday of what a, a typical day is like for you. And of course, you're speaking really, um, anyone who's suffering from bulimia or anorexia, your typical day is typical of so many other sufferers. You're yeah. not you're not unique in this. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things about this illness is that it, it it's terribly lonely. You know, you spend an awful lot of time in your own, on your own, and when you're even with other people, you're very much caught up in your own world, which we all are to a certain extent, but um, I suppose the things that I would do are not unlike what somebody else with this illness would do, but it, it, it's so lonely that, you know, you kind of feel like you're the only one, really, sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I've received an awful lot of messages from other people who have this um, illness, just saying, you know, that they totally identify and just basically saying, like, thanks, and that the more of us speak out, the, the better, you know, and I suppose I'm coming off the back of an awful lot of people over the last few years coming out telling their stories, and they gave me courage as well, you know, so it kind of, um, we'd all kind of support each other in that sense. Well, I think the more we can shine a spotlight on illnesses like this, the more then that the powers that be might step up, step up yeah. and realise we have a big problem in this country with eating disorders, and then we don't have the necessary treatments that are yeah. available. I mean, people, I think, will be shocked to hear there are only three inpatient beds for eating yeah. disorder, For not just for Cork. This is for the entire country and all yeah. of them are based in, in Dublin. Yeah. You need one of those beds and not a hope of getting yeah. it. Yeah, I've been assured definitively from my consultant and other consultants over the years that I, I won't be getting one. Um, which, you know, at this point, I suppose in March, I just lost all hope and just decided it, it wasn't worth trying anymore. Um, and since then, you know, people have really rallied around me. I'm very lucky with the support that I have. And, you know, that's just giving given me a bit of, I suppose, motivation just to try again, just to try once more. And um, more than ever before, really, I've, I've, ne- I've never done something as drastic as this. So um, it, it really is kind of a last ditch attempt just to get the support that I or the care that I need because um, I've been asking for an inpatient bed for years um, and it, it just hasn't happened, unfortunately. Um, and, and, and I mean, I don't want to go, go back and talk to you about what happened in March or anything, but I'm just wondering what brought you to that to go that low in March? Would, did, mm-hmm. did the pandemic and lockdowns, did the, all of that play yeah. into that? Absolutely. I think, you know, I, I've I've been very open in that. I, I I can't we'll say say the pandemic caused anything that I was um struggling with, but it, it brought it to a level that I just um it was I, I was the most terrified I've ever been just because, you know, I was spending most of the twenty four hours in a day on my own in my room. Um, you know, I was able to do things that I otherwise wouldn't be able to do because it, it was so kind of such a lonely time for everybody and I was so isolated. Um, and it just brought me to a point that I was just 
um, I'd absolutely no hope really. I I couldn't see a way out of it, no matter what way I thought. And then, um, you know, over that period of time last winter, I I was in any I'd say about at least seven or eight times. And I think the more you ask for help, um, and the more the answer is no, it kind of just erodes another layer of hope every time. So the more I was I was ending up in any begging them for help. Like sometimes I was brought up and other times I I just went up myself because I was just terrified of what I was going to do to myself. Um, and I'd be asking them for help. I'd be in the waiting room for anywhere kind of from five, six, seven, eight, nine hours. And um, then you basically just speak to the, the on-call psychiatrist, um, tell them what's going on. I'd usually, again, beg them at that point to, to help me to do something. And then um, they usually just sent me away with a piece of paper called a care plan that tells me to meditate and breathe when I get overwhelmed and to come back to AD if I need help. Um, so I kept going back and every time there was another, you know, sorry, we can't really do much other than give you this piece of paper because you're already on a waiting list and we can't we can't speed up that process. It just, I got lower and lower every time I just had to walk out of there really not feeling any support. And the last time I ended up in Aini in March, I same thing happened and I left and something just flipped in my head. It's kind of a switch. I just thought, I can't keep asking for help and, and not get it. And I honestly, the at that point, the right thing felt to just end it. That's the only way I can put it. It was, um, I was kind of at peace with it at that point. I was saying, this, this is how it's going to end because I just can't keep going. Um, you know, I my friends and family would say thankfully it didn't work um, and I suppose at that point as well you know I've been up in Dublin they're all in Cork and I'd really isolated myself from them I wasn't on to them I hadn't been really talking to them that much I really cut them out but they thought I was fine they thought oh sure Lisa's up in Dublin she's doing grand and um, that really wasn't the case and I think after everything happened in March they just absolutely rallied around me I can't even explain the type. I just felt like they just kind of wrapped me in a blanket and it's obviously what I needed at the time because I'd been um, isolating myself from everyone and since then I suppose it's just been a case of just trying to think through what I'm going to do um, whether something this drastic is is the only option and ultimately I came to the, the decision that it is it's the only option left really well, I, I, th- I think I love the, because uh, it's your family and your friends, everybody gets affected by an eating disorder. I mean, obviously yeah. the person going through it is the main one, but the ripple effects. And I think the way your family and friends have rallied around you just shows how special and how loved you are. They, I'm, I'm honestly blown away by them. I, uh, I'm kind of nearly... I'm feeling a bit guilty because I'm like, how am I ever going to actually thank them for what they've done? Um, because they're they're very special people, and I'm I'm very aware. You know, I talk about how much my eating disorder, you know, makes me feel extremely lonely, and it does, and it's a very lonely existence. But there are other people in the same position as me who don't have a support network that I do, and even though I don't lean on them as nearly half as much as I should when I'm when I'm really unwell. I still know they're there and sometimes that is comforting even even if I'm not onto them, if, if I'm cutting them out, if I'm trying to isolate from them, I know they're there and, and that is 
that's something that not a lot of people have. Yeah, yeah, you you are truly blessed, and you'll be able to thank them by getting better and leading your best life, and yeah. and, and that's exactly what what you will do. I, I want to refer back to something you mentioned that piece that was put up anonymously online, and it's now if anybody yeah. goes to your GoFundMe page, they can click on a link uh, to read a typical day in the life of uh, Lisa. And, and I would advise people, it's it's a really, really tough read. Bulimia, I mean, anorexia is dreadful, but the binge eating and the bulimia mm. and, you know, this constant, you know, eating huge amount of foods and then forcing yourself to get sick mm. and then the amount of laxatives. Oh, what are you doing to your little body, Lisa? Yeah, I mean, I think for a long time, I, you know, especially kind of my early to mid 20s, I was getting away with it. You know, I was young, I was, but I'm 31 now. And this year in particular, for about the past year, I have just seen serious decline in in my body. Just, it's not what it used to be. Um, it's, you know, before I would just kind of fuck up and, you know, get on with it. And but sometimes I'm just so it's I'm so tired physically that I just can't even do half the things that I used to be able to do anymore. You know, I don't um, get periods. I you know the laxatives. I I, I take a, an awful lot of laxatives, and eight out of ten times now they don't even work anymore. So you know, my digestive system is is totally out of whack, and my teeth are absolutely destroyed. Like they look fine if I was to smile, but um, a lot of them are cracked and broken in the back and I've loads of cavities and things um, and I, I, for me I think the the most severe thing is when I've binged and like I can't stress the amount of food that I put into my body in one go um, I'll never just eat a normal portion it's, if I'm eating it all it has to be a, a huge amount of food and my stomach it gets so full. I, I gen the pain is is indescribable, and I'm kind of bent over, um, trying to get to the toilet. I can't even stand up, and I'm sweating, and I just honestly feel like I'm 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 going to explode. Um, and it's just every time I do it. Sometimes you know I, I get a bit upset, and I'll actually be thinking like, what am I, what am I doing? I'm looking at my body like I'm like looking down at it going what am I doing to this like you know because um, our bodies are the only thing that we have really and so many people have physical illnesses and I'm kind of going Jesus you know the guilt would come into it then, then there you know that like were I not doing all these things my body would be perfectly fine and healthy um, but I'm putting it through an awful lot I just can't seem to be able to stop and then there's like a self-loathing because you, you talk yeah. about the, the names you call yourself yeah. and, and do you genuinely believe that about yourself? I do genuinely, yeah. Oh, Lisa. You know, no matter what people kind of say to me, it's, it's the, my only thoughts are, that's not true. Um, I, I really, honestly, sometimes the, the things I call myself, I, I'm, it, they're really horrible, but I just can't seem to stop. It's just this constant negative voice. Um, when I'm with people, all I'm telling myself is, they don't want to be around you, you know, like this kind of stuff. And it's it's very over, overpowering. I can't seem to, to counteract it or tell it something different, you know. Um, and in particular, I think, you know, I look at my clothes size and it's very small, the size of my clothes. But then I'm there calling myself like, you're a fat, disgusting, this, that and the other. And, and you're um, a tiny little petite thing, little 
Yeah, yeah, I'm very yeah. like you know objectively. I know like I'm five one and uh, like I'm very small and petite. You know, I'd be in kind of extra small clothes. Um, but I just yeah, it's just relentless, really. This this idea yeah. that I'm just this. You look in a mirror and see something completely different. And another thing that I think people, I certainly hadn't thought about it, when you're suffering from bulimia and the binge eating, Mm -hmm. is the amount of money that you spend on food completely different to, say, somebody who's anorexic? It is, honestly, I can't fathom, like, when I actually think the amount of money over the last 10 years that I've spent, I, I, I have to stop thinking about it because I get so overwhelmed. You know, I'm looking at my friends there. They're all getting mortgages. They all have savings. I I literally rob food now because I've I've no money. I um borrow money off friends a lot. You know, if like when the girls if they want to go out for a drink or whatever, like they're so good. They all they just buy me an old drink because they know the situation. You know, and um, you know, I I've borrowed money off family. That is so much. I honestly don't know how I'm going to actually pay, pay them back um, credit union loan like it's just um, the amount of money I go through is, is, is honestly shocking like I I've, I've, there was a day there last week it was well over 400 euro I spent in one day on food like and how long would that have lasted um, how um, what Four, do you mean sir like 400 euro worth of food mm-hmm. would that have lasted you a week no no that was the one day and you consumed 400 euro worth of food in a day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it goes on. You don't even get peace at night when you when you go to bed and go to sleep. You can wake in the middle of the night with this urge yeah. to eat. So unless I'm kind of very much in the like anorexia mode, we'll say, um, when, the, when the bulimia is strongest, I'll wake up. And it is literally a case of, it, it, I can't, the only way I can describe it is that I'm doing... I'll, I'll sit up, I'll get out of the bed and go into the kitchen and I'll come back into my room and I'll eat and I'll go to the toilet and get sick and I'll, I'll carry on. But my brain is saying to me, like, please don't do this, please stop. Like, you know, just stop, please, please, please. And I'm, I'm actually begging myself to stop, but it's it's almost as if, like, there's something else just totally taking over my body and I'm walking back to the kitchen and I'm, I'm literally crying. I'm just like, I really don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do it. and But I just do it. It's really, honestly, the most bizarre um, feeling. I can't. I can't really. Explain. I thought the statement that you made in the, you know, the description of of what a typical day is like for you. The most accurate way to describe the compulsion to binge eat is that it is as strong as the need to breathe. That's that quite, is that's the only way I can kind of re- relay or portray. Um, how strong it is it just comes over me and I'd be shaking like with the compulsion it, it makes me shake sometimes I'm so frantic and my heart will be going ninety. it's just this really overwhelming feeling that I have to get more food into me and if I don't I'll just die that's the only way I can describe it so when I run out of food here and if I run out of money or if it's in the middle of the night and there's no shops open like I'll end up just um, going into my housemate's cupboards like or looking around seeing if there's any leftovers in the bin like you know it's, it's just, in the bin um, yeah yeah it's just um, you've eaten out of a bin yeah and off the floor um, it, I've eaten food that's days old like that God help you. God. Okay, to look to the positive then, uh, Lisa. And uh, there, okay, it's there is uh, somewhere privately 
mm-hmm. you can yeah. go. To, have you, Is that's here in Ireland, is it? Yeah, it is. So my friends were um, good enough to get in touch with one of the private, private, so they looked into a lot of them and my family did as well. And there was one in particular that just seemed um, brilliant, really, and I've heard great things about it. Um, so my friends made contact with them and arranged for um, us to go out there last Saturday. So um, we went out and I met the staff and they showed me around and uh, they've assured me that I will get a, um, a place um, as soon as we raise the money and as soon as a bed becomes available um, that that I can have it. So it's a, it's a 12 week residential, is it? Is that it what is, I yeah. yeah. And, and it, it's great. The cost, it's and the, but it's oh, costly. Absolutely, yeah, sixty thousand euro for the twelve weeks. Um, which I suppose initially I was kind of going, Gee, how how in the name of God is it that expensive? But actually, when you go out and see the level of care that you get, you can see exactly why it's that expensive. It really is second to none. I've known people that have been in there and have literally said that's the place saved their life, and um, I can see why it's so expensive. I. Um, sad that I literally have to ask other people, like strangers, for money. Um, it feels like I'm kind of begging a bit. You're not. Yeah. You're not but in any way. You're not in any way. Because we should have a public service. We should have more than three beds. There should be, you should have been gone into an inpatient public system ages ago, years ago. Because the one thing that really stands out with your story is, Lisa, you know what's wrong with you. You you yeah. know what this addiction is. You're desperate. You're yeah. absolutely desperate to get help. You've knocked yeah. on every door. You've begged everyone. And yeah. no one's listening to you. So you're you're not yeah. begging for money now. Absolutely yeah. no way. Yeah, thanks. Um, no, you're not, and and you and you've got to get that out of your out out of your head. And obviously, seeing the way the fund is going, I think is it up at something like forty thousand? Oh, I think like before I, before we came honestly, on air, which is which is terrific. Yeah. Is that giving you great comfort now? It is really, and it's the I suppose the messages that are coming in um, are like I. I, I can't even get emotional about it because I'm very much in, like, kind of nearly protection mode now. I'm just kind of going through the motions because it's also overwhelming. But, like, I'm reading some of the messages and I, I don't think my brain is actually processing this all yet. Like, some of them, like, people people are getting in touch from my childhood that I literally haven't seen in 20 years. And just the level of support, I really, I can't actually comprehend it yet. Um, but it does, I suppose, the one thing that I am noticing is that I've been living this secret life for so long and felt this kind of really just the depth of loneliness for so long that now actually that literally everyone knows. Initially I was terrified of that and now I'm actually, I feel actually a bit free. Um, cause, like there's no hiding anymore. Like every everybody knows now and there is, there is something kind of powerful in that. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you've managed to hold on to your job. You're working and everything. Yeah, so the job I'm in now, um, they're absolutely amazing people. I'm very lucky. Um, but, you know, I've had to leave jobs before, take sick leave. You know, I was in college. I did a three-year degree and it took me six years to do it. You know, I, so the I suppose I've achieved an awful lot and I'm very grateful for the opportunities I've been given. I suppose on paper, it looks like I'm flying by. But, you know, within that, like my I, I had to take leave from work recently and 
um, then I went on part time and stuff, and they've just been so incredibly supportive. I'm so lucky with Brilliant. the employer that I have. Brilliant. Um, yeah, they've been great. And and it's tough, I imagine, on your family, uh, Lisa, your parents in yeah. particular. Yeah. Um, so I lived with my dad um, for the last few years before I moved to Dublin, and you know, he said to me recently there. Um, I thought I was kind of living this life of disguise, but he was saying to me there that he used to just be sitting up at night listening to me going up and down the stairs and into the toilet and back downstairs and back into the toilet. And he just didn't know what to do. And, you know, he obviously was distraught there in March after the suicide attempt. Like, he drove up to Dublin in the middle of the night and I don't think I'll ever forget his face. Like, when I opened my eyes and saw him standing there and, um, you know, he's just saying to me, like, tell me what to do. I don't know what to do, you know. And he's, he seems, he feels very helpless. And, you know, my extended family are amazing as well. But they've said the same thing. You know, we just don't know how to help you. Like, help us, help you. Like, you know, and that's why the GoFundMe is all that. But, um, and my friends, you know, I've had very difficult conversations with my friends. Like, they're sitting there literally crying, saying to me, like, we don't want you to die. And we, we think you're going to die. We don't know what to do. Um, so, they... I think as as lucky as I am to have them, they're also a bit traumatized. I think from yeah, all they're this, they're you know? suffering as well, and and your yeah. dad, dads and their daughters, and you sound like your your daddy's little girl, and all the dads want to do is make it better. That's all That's he wants it. to do. He just yeah. wants to make it better. And uh, through this GoFundMe page, uh, Lisa, I have a real good feeling about this that you will you will get better. You'll go on to lead a happy and a healthy life and hopefully one day you'll just be able to look back on this and just uh, move forward. The GoFundMe page is Help Us help our friend Lisa if anybody can donate from as little or as much as you want to donate. Lisa, we'll stay in contact with you yeah. and we wish, wish you nothing but love and luck on this journey and hang in there. You're, you're a powerful, powerful woman and well done once again because you've been incredibly brave. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all the time you just gave me. It That's means a lot. Our, ple- our pleasure. Thanks for that, Lisa. Thanks. God bless. Bye-bye. What a lovely lady. Uh, she'd break your heart, wouldn't she? I mean, uh, Lisa Murphy there. Uh, help us help our friend Lisa on the GoFundMe page if anybody would like to uh, help out. And obviously, I'm also very conscious that when we invited Lisa onto the programme that there will be people listening to this programme who are suffering from bulimia and our anorexia because for Lisa, she suffers from both and the, the binge eating uh, side of it. Uh, so I'm very conscious of people who are going through that and maybe hiding it, maybe not sharing it and maybe not being able to be as brave as Lisa has been. And just to remind those people that there is help available, uh, particularly from Body Wise. Uh, they're an amazing organisation who we've featured and had on the programme be- before. They have a Dublin number 01 21079060 that's 21079060 and you can also email their support service to alex at bodywise and it's body as in b-o-d-y and the wise is w-h-y-s bodywise.ie Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Rafferty. Succession is back on our TV screens uh, starring our favourite savagely wealthy family, the Roys. And listen to C103 all this week. We're celebrating the release of Series 3 of Succession with Now. You can win a holiday to New York. The holiday is valued at €10,000. It's flights to get you there. There's a limo transfer to your five-star hotel. There's even a helicopter ride over New York and some spending money. Simple question for you to answer. Who plays Logan Roy in succession? Is it A, Brian Cox or B, Courtney Cox? If you know the answer, you need to text the word holiday along with your answer A or B with your name to 570 18. Now, texts cost two euro, got to be over 18, and you'll be in with a chance to win a holiday worth 10,000 euro. It is one text required per entry, and you do need to get the bill payers' permission. The winner will be announced on the 9th of November. And for further terms and conditions, check out the competition page on c103.ie. Now, some of your calls and texts coming into the programme with a reminder to you it's Thursday. So, Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us later on. If you you have a pet question for Jane, please get it in to 1850-333-103 or you can text our WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. And Michael has texted this morning with, uh, this is to do with when I mentioned that the Rotunda Hospital in Dublin are deciding now from the 1st of December, anybody going into the hospital, you need to have a COVID cert. And this is for the partners. They're allowing partners now to go to scans and to be with their partner when they're in labour and also they're allowing partners to visit in the hospital. There's been a change for the Rotunda Hospital and indeed for other maternity hospitals but they've decided because the number of COVID cases are so high at the moment they are insisting that everybody going into the hospital must have a COVID cert and that's got Michael thinking and says is it right or wrong not to allow fathers or partners into maternity hospitals? The question Michael says that he would ask is are all hospital staff vaccinated? And I, I would have my doubts about that. Well, I can categorically say, Michael, the HSE has confirmed that, that not all hospital staff or nursing home staff are vaccinated. Uh, Michael says there are many such places which are in a similar situation. Places like county councils, city councils, for anybody working in public service buildings, factories, retail, etc. Michael feels it should be mandatory to be vaccinated. Likewise, anybody entering those buildings should all be vaccinated as well. Uh, He reckons it won't be long before that will come to pass and that will be the situation here. It's certainly the situation in parts of Australia. If you are working in any situation where it's public facing, if you're in a shop, in a barber's, in a beautician, in a hotel, any kind of hospitality the Australians are insisting you must be vaccinated and their argument is if they're insisting that people coming into the establishment must be vaccinated they're insisting that the workers must be vaccinated uh, too but will we go down the route of insisting that everybody working in hospitals are vaccinated it's not looking like it at the moment because uh, England have decided to make COVID-19 vaccinations compulsory uh, for all of their healthcare staff but It's been stated in the papers today that Ireland is not going to follow England. It was reported yesterday that Westminster imminently plan to announce their decision that all NHS workers in the UK will have to be vaccinated by April of next year. Now, the policy for England uh, flies in the face of the criticism that forcing vaccination on healthcare staff would cause many to quit. So let's watch that space and see, will it force anybody to quit? But 
when the HSC were asked them yesterday, did they plan to follow suit? A spokesperson for the HSC speaking to the Irish Mail said participation in vaccination programmes in Ireland is not mandatory. A healthcare worker's vaccination status is a matter between the line manager and the individual staff member. But the, the statement counters comments made by Colm Henry. Colm Henry is the HSE's chief clinical officer. Remember er, earlier last month, he said a no job, a no job, no job policy. He says it was being considered by the, the HSE, but a spokesperson for the HSE said yesterday that there was an existing policy that they redeploy unvaccinated staff away from critical areas and that's how they've been handling it and I know Nursing Home Ireland's uh, Chief uh, Ty Daly was speaking on national radio yesterday about mandatory vaccination and he reckons it should be still very much on the agenda Dr Catherine Motherway she's the former President of the Intensive Care Society of Ireland she has spoken out also in support of mandatory jobs for frontline health workers she was speaking about that last month but Patricia King who is the General Secretary of the Irish Congress of Trade Unions. She completely disagreed and she described compulsory vaccination if it was to be introduced. She said it would be a very regressive mood. So your thoughts welcomed on that. Would you be with Michael who's contacted us this morning and indeed and indeed others Nursing Homes Ireland, Colm Henry himself from the HSE, Catherine Motherway, all saying that certainly frontline workers but would you go further to say all healthcare workers should actually be vaccinated. Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850 333103 and then a number of people have been on to us when you remember the gentleman who contacted us who uh, was you know quite upset you could see in his text didn't what his name mentioned which was fine he was inquiring about first aid uh, courses because they had a fatality this week on the building site where he's working a lad collapsed right beside where this gentleman was standing had a massive heart attack and unfortunately nobody on the site was able to do first aid and it's got them thinking that some of them would like to now go off and do first aid courses. A number of people have been on to say uh, Corrin First Aid. They travel right across Munster. John Paul says he's got the details if anybody's looking for that. And also Elite Ambulance. A couple of other people are saying that. They're another company that do first aid uh, training. And then other people are sending on links to first aid responder courses. They're kind of three-day courses even though I can see on the ones in Cork they all seem to be booked out at the moment. But then somebody said for that lad looking for the first aid course, tell him to try the Cork branch of the Irish Heart Foundation. Their number is 021-4505-822. They may be able to help or at least they would have information on courses uh, locally. This person said, so sorry for the loss of that man's colleague. More defibrillators are needed in workplaces. Uh, Maybe they might consider organising a fundraiser for a defibrillator in memory of the colleague who passed away this week and it could be carried around with them and moved from site to site. And yeah, people who do the first aid course could do the defibrillator of course that's a lovely lovely suggestion and to do it in memory of the person who's passed away well done well done to whoever sent that in thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 and I can see some uh, WhatsApps coming in with pet questions please if you can send on the uh, pet questions to us because Jane Pickett our resident vet uh, will be joining us. Uh, so if you want to get those into us, what's the text number for the competition, please? Uh, somebody didn't manage to take it down. OK, for the competition, it is 57080. You text the word holiday with your answer and your name, 57080. 
80 with texts costing uh, 2 uh, euro. We mentioned booster jabs and how booster jabs now are going to be given to people over the age of 60. They're already working through people who are immune compromised. They're already working on people over the age of 80. And it was good to see yesterday when they were talking through uh, all the figures and talking through the new uh, cases, they could clearly already see that the cases are falling in the over 75s and they're saying that that is attributed to the rollout of the booster vaccine is reducing infections in the over 75. So I think the sooner they need to get these boosters up and running, the better. But somebody has pointed out and they are correct for the over 60s who are waiting to get the call for their boosters. Patricia, I heard you've got to be six months after your second jab before you will be given your booster. I'm 62. I had my second jab on the 30th of July. If you add six months to that, I'll be waiting until the 1st of February for my booster. And you're not the only one. And I did mention that earlier on in the week when they were talking about the boosters for the over 60s. The over 60s, the 60 to 69 year olds were the cohort of people who all got AstraZeneca. And the majority of them had to wait three months from between the first vaccine and the second vaccine. So many of them, this, I don't know if it's a male or a female, this listener is right, many of those didn't get their second jab until July. Some actually went so far as even going into August, which means it's going to be well into the new year if if they're insisting, and they are, they do seem to be at the moment insisting that you must wait six months between your second jab. And I think it's the same for people who had COVID. You've got to wait six months from the date of when you test a positive before you can get your uh, booster. So there will be a lot of people, I think, in their 60s who certainly will be a little bit worried uh, about that. And still getting calls in from people saying, Patricia, five of us went for a meal last Saturday night in Westport. Not one of us were asked for our COVID pass. And as I mentioned, we had Tony Houlihan uh, speaking about this yesterday in the press conference from Neffet. He said that there was a survey result out, just a new one out this week showing that uh, one in four hadn't been asked for their COVID certs and judging by the number of listeners contacting us, that number may even be higher in this particular area. Thank you to Noreen and Ochnagree. This is back to first aid courses. This is Hi Patricia. Araton in Newmarket. I did a first aid course with them earlier this year. Well done Noreen. It's a great skill uh, to uh, have. And this is there a name on North Cork listener. This is on antisocial behaviour. Hi Patricia. Antisocial behaviour is a huge, huge problem at the moment. This North Cork listener says, I'd like to know why the council and the Gardaí lack the powers to sort out anti-social people. It's an awful, awful thing to be on the receiving end of constantly being bullied every day and no help whatsoever from the people who you would assume would be there to help you when you report this anti-social behaviour. The council and the Gardaí just do not seem to understand at all. We have been told that they can't do anything unless we're actually physically attacked. If we're to wait until we're physically attacked, could it be too late? There is no law there, Patricia. These bullies, it seems, can get away with anything and nothing can be done to stop them. I have no faith or trust at the moment in the council, our members of Angarda Shikona, to try to sort it out. That's, that is dreadful. I was, I was only speaking with somebody lately who was telling me about antisocial behaviour where he was uh, living and what he was describing to me as well sounded like a particular family had moved into an area, it's a, a council estate, and it was as if this family were allowed to run riot and were almost running 
the estate. Like and nobody was able to do anything about it. Nobody was able to stand up uh, to this uh, family. And just a dreadful situation to be living in because, you know, you have your own home. And for people who get council houses, many of them may have been waiting many, many years to get the key to their forever home. And you, we all like to think we're safe you know, when you go in your own front door and close your own door or go out into your garden, that you're going to be safe. But if you're living beside neighbours from hell, it really is an absolute uh, nightmare. And that's not to say that it only happens in council estates. It doesn't. It happens in private estates as well. What are the possible answers or solution to it? I don't know. I don't know. And it isn't anything new. Is it getting worse? It it, it sounds like it is. It, it certainly sounds like it is because there seems to be more and more reports of people saying that their life is absolutely miserable because they're living next to or close by the neighbours from hell. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. The Greeland Quartet are playing in concert in Abbey Story Church in Skibbereen tonight at 8 o'clock. Tickets are 15 euro and there are still some tickets available at 086 2264 Community Development Association due to hold social dancing in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic on tomorrow night. They've cancelled that due to the rising number of COVID cases but the drive in bingo is going ahead in Kildallery Creamery Yard that's tomorrow night at 8. And the Dicky Dip is a fundraiser for male cancer care in the Marcher Public Hospital and it's taking place next Saturday. Mick McCabe from Lichin near Skibbereen will take part in his own area. You can support him and donate by searching for Dicky Dip online. Money's raised will go towards prostate screening equipment in the Marta Public Hospital. Can we wish Mick McCabe the very best of at luck? And free online coding workshops for Dojo Moore will run on some Saturday next from 10am to 2pm. They're offering a range of activities to suit all ages. You log on to find out more www.dojomore.ie We can get more information and you can book. Court Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie We're off to Bandingar this Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For this week's Garda Fire, where I'm joined by Garda Francis Murphy. Good afternoon to you, Francis. Good afternoon. Patricia. And you are very welcome. And we start with a theft that happened in the Bandon area. Uh, that's correct, uh, Patricia. We'll start off there with a recent theft in the Bandon area in the last two weeks. It occurred um, in the Knockbrown area near Bandon. It occurred somewhere between the 16th and the 19th of October. Uh, during this theft, there was a stove taken from premises. It was quite a large stove, black in colour, um, four-legged stove, and the make Horse Flame is inscribed, engraved on the side of the stove. Um, obviously, transport had to be used in this case, um, possibly at least two people to lift the stove. Investigations are ongoing, but anyone with any information or if anyone saw anything unusual in the area, can you please contact Gardaí in Bandon with any information on 023-885-2200. And a very unusual theft, at least two people, because they're heavy items, those They're yeah. quite heavy, Patricia, so yeah. it would take at least two people, if not more. Yeah. And I suppose what makes it unique is this horse flame is the make of the stove and that is inscribed on the side of it. Okay, that might make it uh, stand out. Now, thefts from cars, unfortunately, still occurring. This incident happened in the outskirts of Bandon. That's correct, Uh, Patricia. Not so common in recent times, but they are still occurring. Um, This incident occurred on the 22nd of October, just on the edge of the town, which, uh, you know, it was very unusual at 9.30am in the morning. Um, you know, there's a lot of traffic around, people are going to school. Uh, the injured party basically parked up their car in a location and somebody was seen approaching the car. They broke the window, removed items and ran from the scene. Uh, there was a passerby witnessed the incident and immediately reported same to Gardaí. Investigations are ongoing. But again, if anyone had seen anything... Unusual, if you could pass on that information to Bandon Garda Station, please. And just to be careful about leaving nothing in your car, nothing on view. This is it. Um, you know, we keep stressing that to people, how important it is to be careful when you are leaving your car parked up. Don't leave any valuables in the car that can be seen and cause temptation to passing individuals. You know, it's really like offering it to them on a the plate, leaving handbags, phones, wallets, etc. on display you know, lock them away securely in your boot before you reach your destination. And if possible at all, just leave it at home. Yeah, because the majority of these are opportunistic. It's somebody walking by, spots a handbag, a wallet, briefcase, whatever it is, window smashed and they're gone. I mean, it's, it's as quick as that. Now, there was a robbery from a person. This happened on Halloween night, which is just last Sunday. Correct, um, Patricia. This robbery from the person occurred in the Mitchellstown area on the 31st of October, which was Halloween night, which might stim something in people's heads. Uh, the incident occurred in the Shkihin area of Mitchellstown. Um, a male was approached and a sum of money was taken from the person. 
the only description we have really is a dark coloured car was seen in the area um, with two male occupants on board. Gardaí would like to identify these people and are asking anyone that may have been in the Ardlin Road, Mitchellstown area, between 6pm and 8pm on Halloween night, you know, if they observed anything unusual or have any information at all, to contact the Detective French in Fermoy Garda Station on 025-821-00. Yeah, and Halloween night between 6 and 8, kind of a trick-or-treating time as well. Families might have been out with children. Somebody may just have seen something. Yeah, anything at all, you know, if they think it might help. It's not a very nice experience no. for this person. And we would appreciate any help in getting to the bottom of it. Okay, the West Cork Garda Youth Awards. Yeah, just to touch base on this, Patricia, again, um, the West Cork Youth Awards 2020 were recently awarded uh, to the winners in the Celtic Ross Hotel um, in Ross Carberry in association with Supervalue. It wasn't the usual gathering because of current guidelines, unfortunately, but it still marked a very proud night for individuals and their families. Um, Chief Superintendent Con Cadigan paid tribute to the award winners, saying that it was heartening to see so many young people involving themselves in activities within their local communities, especially at the current climate when everything is up in a heap, really, with this COVID. He also stressed the importance of you know, the spirit of volunteerism in general and that the Gardaí were delighted to be in a position to honour the award winners. Um, we'd also like to thank Supervalue for their ongoing support and the Irish Examiner, who are media partner for the Youth Awards. Um, not all nominees win a prize, but they will all be recognised with a certificate of nomination, you know, in the near future. And again, well done to everybody. Yeah, and I always say for awards like this, just being nominated is a win in itself that somebody went to the time to nominate somebody. So uh, well done and congratulations to great uh, young people right across the city and county. Now, we want to finish off with some road safety advice, Francis, for pedestrians. Yes, this time here again, Patricia, just to remind people, um, you know, the clocks have gone back, evenings have closed in. Just trying to stress to people the importance of wearing high-vis clothing. The amount of people not wearing them is frightening. You know, if you're wearing a reflective armband, high-visibility belts, vests, anything reflective or fluorescent clothing, it will help you be seen from a distance, especially at night. You know, they are available from the RSA free, but at times, if there is a shortage, you know, you can pick them up in any shop. Very reasonable price, and it could save your life. Yeah, just just be careful. Just be careful out there. And some tips on staying safe as a pedestrian you want to run through? Just quickly, uh, Patricia, you know, I suppose tips for pedestrians. Just always, you know, look for a safe place to cross the road. Never cross a corner or on a bend. You know, wait on the side of the path or the footpath. You know, always, you know, even encourage your kids. Look left and right. Listen for traffic. Let traffic pass, you know, and check again. You know, it's good to encourage kids of this safety and just, I suppose, keep in mind any kids, especially under the age of 12, should always be supervised by an adult and encouraged to wear high-vis clothing during the day. Absolutely, absolutely. Listen, good advice as always, uh, Francis. Thank you for that. Stay safe and we'll talk again. Thank you very much. Thanks a million. That is uh, Garda Francis Murphy. She's based at Bandon at Garda Station. Somebody's asked, can I call out the Irish Heart Foundation number again? I gave it out too quickly. This is somebody suggesting to contact the Irish Heart Foundation to see about first aid uh, courses. So the Irish Heart Foundation in Cork, 021 
0505085822. And thank you to Mary who was on to us to say, Patricia, fingers crossed, all going well. The Mallow Red Cross will be running first aid courses after Christmas. That's really good to hear. And I'm assuming it's probably going to be the same for the majority of other the Red Cross branches are brilliant at running first aid courses but obviously with everything that's been happening with uh, COVID they've had to stop so I'm assuming we'll see more, see and hear more of those uh, happening after Christmas. Thank you for that uh, Mary stay safe and good luck with those uh, courses By the way, Voyage, what is Voyage? It's the new album from ABBA that we've all been waiting for and we've only, less than 24 hours now, it officially gets launched and goes on sale from tomorrow Friday the 5th of November and to celebrate the brand new album from uh, ABBA. We have copies to give away here at C103 right across tomorrow. Stay listening uh, for us to call out lyrics from a well-known ABBA song. So we're making sure that we give these albums to genuine ABBA fans. And then what will happen is you'll text or WhatsApp your answer for your chance to win. So to win your free copy of Voyage, the new album from ABBA. Stay tuned to C103 right across tomorrow Friday. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie This is the Court Today replay on C103. And we're off to the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group where Jane Pickett joins me. Good afternoon to you Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. Let's get straight into questions. And you can still text or WhatsApp your questions to 0862-103-103. Hi, James, as a texter. Any tips on stopping a four-month-old pup from constantly jumping up on people? She also has very sharp nails, so it can be quite painful. Ouch. Okay, yeah, this is a bit of a tough problem. I think a lot of the time the jumping up behavior is kind of an attention-seeking behavior. So it's it's really seeking interaction. Um, a lot of the time when it's small pups, it may not be, you know, so problematic. They're small, they can't do a lot of damage. But if, if let's say, your, your pup grows into a very large 40 kg German Shepherd, it becomes a different story once they're bigger. So it's really something you need to try and deal with now as our listener is, is trying to do early on. Um, while the pet is still small, the best thing to do is try and encourage um, them to engage in other behaviours instead. So this will be one situation where I'd suggest maybe distraction. So let's say if they start jumping up, if you can work on your basic commands of sit and stay and lie down outside of the periods when your pet is jumping up, you can try and avert the jumping up behaviour into a command and then a treat. So they get, let's say, positive reinforcement for following a command and it distracts from the jumping up behaviour. Um, it just keeps things a little bit more under control. I think this is one where they want attention, they want interaction, but you need it to be a positive and safe thing. And you can kind of make that a positive, safe interaction by interacting with your pet, but in a controlled way. So by giving a command such as sit or give the paw or lie down, and it will kind of fulfill their need for attention, as it were, but in a far more constructive way. And it will really reinforce that bond um, and also reinforce the training that you're doing with your pet by kind of interacting in that manner. Um, but you have a bit more control over the situation. I think the worst thing you could do in this situation is kind of give negative reinforcement. So start screaming or shouting or anything like that. 
if the jumping up is really, really incessant and it's very difficult to break with kind of distraction with a, a sit or a down command, or maybe you haven't quite got there yet, let's say it's early days yet, it's only four months old, maybe the training is not quite at that stage where they'll kind of sit on command. In a way, the best thing to do is when they start jumping up, initially ignoring it as best you can, not kind of giving that interaction. Wait until they stop and then praise them. So it's kind of uh, praise them when all four feet are on the ground and they're not jumping up. So just give it a second, try and ignore um, and then positively reinforce. As regards the nails being sharp, that can be a problem in younger puppies because obviously they're not out and about on the roads and concrete kind of wearing them down like an adult dog might be. But what I would say is I know I get a lot of puppies coming into us and they say, oh, can you clip his nails? You know, he's tearing at my legs. He's You know, he's got very sharp nails. A lot of the time, there's not a lot of nail excess nail there for us to clip off and obviously we want them to have a normal development of their foot and their nail bed so it might be the case that you know your nails the nails might be a little bit long but i'd say this would necessitate a true take judgment and to make your dog's initial nail experiences really positive training professionals but okay we're so breaking there's not okay. yeah. yeah we were we were Hello? breaking yeah i know you're back again now you were just break you were just yeah. breaking up there slightly Okay, but it's okay. it's it, but it's common, really. It's just a young pup. Let's it's really stay, common. Let's stay on pups because somebody else has a seven-month-old pup. Now, doesn't say what type of pup it is, but it, she describes it as being a very tall dog. And the people actually laugh at her when she says, he's only seven months old, he's only still a pup. Her query today to Jane is, are the puppy nuts enough to feed him on because he's such a tall, big dog? Or should he be on something else, even though he's only seven months old? Okay, this is a really interesting one. So I think appropriately feeding your dog for their life stage, whether it be puppy, adult or senior, is really important. And our listener sounds like they're doing good. They've they've got a puppy nut by the sounds of it. But one thing I would say is you need to make sure you're feeding an adequate amount for their weight. And ideally, it will be a cable size that will be appropriate for the size of your dog. So many of the kind of reputable ranges that would do good quality food would, let's say, have a, a puppy mini a puppy or puppy kind of medium small breed and then a puppy large or giant breed and the formulations generally with most brands tend to be kind of uniform across them but the kibble size is bigger so it's better for a bigger dog but also they'll probably give more accurate ranges for the amount that they would feed in a large breed dog so take a little look at your food take the advice of your local vet as to what diet they feel would be suitable but the one thing i would say is particularly in a large breed dog they're always prone to joint issues later in life if you can invest in a really high quality food with the right balance of calcium and phosphorus in it for this first year to year and a half of life at least you're investing in their future health because that's when they're laying down their skeleton and making good quality solid bone so particularly a large breed dog it'll it'll pay pay off off. in in older age Sharon is a character she is a cat owner Uh, now she describes her cat as good as gold 90% of the time but they've started to notice that she's peeing in places outside of her litter tray places like the dog's bed or on the bathroom floor or God knows anywhere else any suggestions as to how to break the habit is completely house trained Okay, this is an interesting one. If this has started out of the blue, completely house trained and nothing has changed in the environment so there's no kind of obvious source of stress that might be upsetting things, this little cat needs to take a trip to the vet, potentially with a little urine sample to double check that it's not got a urinary tract infection or other bladder problems. A lot of the time we see cats trying to pee on other surfaces apart from their litter tray when they're getting caught short so they have a little urgency to pee. They can sometimes come along with a urine infection 
And interestingly, sometimes on porcelain, so cold surfaces, um, we don't quite know why that is. But anecdotally, I hear a lot of my cats that might present with urinary infections. They start trying to jumping up into the sink to try and do their peas there instead. So double check that it's not a physical problem or an infection with your vet. But then it's just down to the basics of making sure that there's no kind of additional stressors in the house, making sure that the litter tray is really clean. If there's any other cats in the house, making sure that there's always one more litter tray than the amount of cats you have. So if you have two cats, make sure you have three litter trays. If you have one cat, make sure you have two litter trays. It just gives them options and sometimes they'll be nervous about going um, into the litter tray if they already know they've done some business there, even if it's only a small bit because sometimes they're just really tidy naturally. So they'd be my best tips. Because cats, by cats are by nature very clean. Oh, exceptionally clean. They like everything to be just so. So a slightly dirty litter tray can be absolutely devastating to a particularly picky cat. So you need to, you need to give them options so they don't start peeing on the furniture. And again, as we've discussed before, try to get a urine sample if you can going to the vet. I would do. Speak to your vet because if your cat kind of uses a litter tray, at least some of the time, I know it's not quite what it was at the moment, they'll be able to give you um, little silicon beads that you can put into your litter tray instead of the litter and it doesn't absorb the urine. So your cat will kind of be able to scuffle around, do their peas and you'll be able to sneak in then and just kind of withdraw a little sample of urine that will be nice and clean from the litter tray without being contaminated by by the litter material itself. So speak to your vet. They'll be able to give you some tips on that and supply you with the silicon beads that you might need. Okay. But um, it is actually more easily done than it sounds. Okay, listen, thank you for that. Have a good week and we'll chat again next Thursday. Thanks for that, Jane. Thank, thank Thanks you. for joining us. That is Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Middle Street Veterinary Group. And thank you to somebody who has emailed in with a suggestion for the listener who's doing the decluttering at the moment and is trying to make some money out of the items that she wants to sell on, but she's finding it hard for a place to sell it on. And I was the one who said perhaps she could go to a car boot sale. And a couple of people were suggesting some of the car boot sales are back up and running. Somebody has contacted us to say that kill Collie in Blackpool. They actually have a car boot sale which is on next Sunday. It's on from 8 in the morning. Oh, they start early, do they not? 8 in the morning until 2 in the afternoon. And that's from Martin. Thank you for that, Martin. So that's Kill Collie in Blackpool if our listener wants to load up the car with all the items for her decluttering and make some money at the same time. OK, that's where we leave you for today with a reminder to make sure you join us tomorrow because each and every hour we've got a copy of Voyage which is the new album from ABBA to give away. It officially goes on sale tomorrow, but your chance to win one of the first copies here on C103 right across the day. Um, and we'll have fun giving those away tomorrow. That's where I leave you, though. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Witcher for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow. 10. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. 
Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.